One, Forever Alone, is an ongoing story-based podcast and is a work of fiction. It is created and narrated by J.L. Rock. You can find this podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are found. Chapter 22 What Lies Beneath You might believe that waking up from your sleep with no recollection of your dreams would be a good thing. In the past, when I would wake up not knowing if I had dreamt the night before, it was just a fleeting curiosity that quickly left my mind. When the nightmares began, I would sometimes awaken drenched in sweat, heart pounding, but without any memory of my dreams. It was like a traumatic imprint on your very soul. Waking up in that state was similar to the feeling deep inside when you believed something bad had happened to someone close to you. The weight that was left on your soul when you wonder what terrible images you must have experienced that were so damaging to your psyche that your waking consciousness kept them from you. Those thoughts would stay with me throughout the day, plaguing me. That is, until the next night came. Dad! I awoke screaming. I ran to my balcony and upon opening the glass doors, I already knew I was still in that world. The skies were a dark gray, thick from the smoke of the ongoing fires burning across Old Town and Lincoln Park. I backed away from the patio door and slumped down onto my bed. I just laid there staring at the floor. I knew I had dreamt about something that night, but I could not remember what it was about. My body felt as if it had been beaten during the night. While my watch told me I had slept for over six hours, my body felt as if it had only been six minutes. A part of me actually believed that falling asleep on my own accord would wake me from this nightmare, but that part usually ended up being disappointed. While only my second day, I felt as if I had been trapped within this world for years. I knew that I had to continue searching for answers. Sitting in my room would do nothing. I searched for some clothes. Blue jeans and a jogging shirt would keep me warm and would not slow me down if I needed to run, though I had to chuckle when I thought about that. I wish I would have something or someone to run from. I left my room, entered the bathroom and stepped into my shower. The water was cold, but my body quickly adjusted. Even if the power was out all across Chicago, there would be some records that I could access downtown. My thought was that if I could look into my father's death, then perhaps that answer would be the one that would provide me with an exit from this world. It was the only information I had to go on, and the more I thought about how my past nightmares worked, the more I realized how it was likely to be exposed to so many different possibilities. However, at the moment, I did not want to look into my theories. I just wanted to leave my apartment and get back outside. I dried off dressed and took my mother's computer bag and my backpack with me. 
Downstairs, I prepared a few sandwiches, ate one, and stored the others. I could not shake the sickening feeling that I had that this could all be a hallucination, and there I was preparing like a boy scout, but to not be prepared would have been foolish. I always believe that it is best to deal with what you know and to disregard what you do not. As I left the apartment, instinctive routine caused me to lock the door. It almost made me crack a smile. The long trek down the stairs that was just as dark in the day as the night before reiterated that this world would not be a place where joy could be found. I quickly walked through the lobby and into the garage. I sat on my bike for a moment and looked out the garage door towards Lincoln Park. There were no flames to be seen, just a moving cloud of smoke. I pulled my helmet on and started my bike, eager to leave. I made my way towards Lakeshore Drive. I was forced to stop and look out across the lanes of road. The image from Ashley's room did not properly convey the level of destruction I saw at the ground level. Hundreds of vehicles of all shapes and sizes sprawled across the drive with various degrees of damage. I wondered if the reason I wanted a motorcycle and not a car was to be ready for this day. Only a bike would be able to navigate through the vehicle graveyard before me. About to continue on, I found myself staring over to North Avenue Beach. That night after Christine agreed to come to my house to watch movies, we ended up walking down the beach and just talking. I told her that I did not want to hurt Jonathan by being with her. I expected her to drown me in emotional babble, but she was rational and said that I had not taken anything from him because she was not his. I did not think she believed Jonathan would be as upset as he was. Jonathan and I continued to see each other while at school, but we did not speak. When we finally did talk again, it was on North Avenue Beach during this festival. He had made new friends by then and confronted Christine and I. He felt that I had turned away from everything I had ever talked about with him. He called it a betrayal and then turned his back and walked away. Christine looked at me. She knew how important my friendship was with Jonathan. She expected to see the face of a devastated man but what she found was the eyes of someone glad to be free of the burden of an exhausting friendship. It was here that I explained what my thoughts were to her. Sometimes what I said would inspire her, but often it would frighten her. That beach was where she said she learned about who I really was. She never told me if it was for the good or the bad. The last time Christine and I came to North Avenue Beach was after her aunt died. She had suffered for months in the hospital battling cancer. Christine's mother visited every day. We had just come from the funeral. Christine just needed some fresh air and someone to talk to. It was a cold afternoon. Not another soul on the beach. After standing silently looking out over the water for what seemed like hours, she finally began to talk. I felt bad standing there. I had never seen my mother like that before. She was there when she died. 
I just don't think I could do that. To sit there, day after day, watching someone wither and die. I honestly didn't even like Clara that much, but my mom loved her. I'm sorry, Timothy, I'm babbling. It's all pointless, I said to her. Hearing Christine pour out her feelings caused me to stop and think before continuing. She knew how I felt about various subjects, and I was never afraid to let her know. But this was different. This was about someone in her own family. I should have kept quiet. What, what's pointless, Timothy? Sitting there, watching someone die. There are times when Christine would ignore me when I went off on one of my, what she would call, tirades. I think she did it because when she did listen and found herself agreeing, it made her feel bad about herself. That day she engaged me. She wanted to listen, and she wanted to hear what I had to say. What do you mean? Do you really think that people in that condition want to be surrounded by people pitying them? Nobody wants to be remembered like that. We don't do it for them. We do it for ourselves. I could see that my words were upsetting her. But I couldn't stop myself. How can you say that? It's been proven that sitting with someone, talking to them, just hearing your voice, makes a difference. Yes, in a person that has the possibility to get well. But that was not the case. You told me that when they took your aunt to the hospital, that both she and the doctors knew that she would not return. What did your mother tell you when she used to visit Clara? Christine's body language told me she did not want to tell me, and yet her eyes told me she wanted to continue the conversation. I wanted to keep going. All I wanted to do was make my point. She didn't say much. Aunt Clara just stared up at the ceiling. She was so weak, she couldn't really talk, so... My mom would just read to her. No. She was reading to herself. Clara didn't want your mother there. And your mother did not want to be there. Christine was starting to cry, and there I was... Excited. Engaged. I was making my point. Hitting my marks. And that's all that mattered. I was enjoying every moment of it. You're wrong. My mother loved Aunt Clara. She did. And that love turned to obligation. Just like the people today at the funeral, they were there out of obligation. 
and how it would look if they didn't attend. When Clara checked into the hospital, she was ready to die and wanted to die in peace. But because we can't let go, because we are bound by our needless rituals and our sickening need to keep up appearances, we take that peace away by standing over them, staring at them, watching them die. Christine began to walk away from me, but I followed her down the beach. It was so cold that day, especially with the chilling winds from the lake, but at that moment I couldn't feel any of it. Christine did not want to listen anymore, but it was too late. I wasn't going to let her walk away. I was far from finished. Clara was gone, Christine, and I am sure she had accepted that, but your mother had not. Since there was still an ounce of breath in her body, your mother had no choice but to go. I guarantee you that when Clara finally died, your mother felt a sense of relief that it was over, that she was free. Christine stopped and turned around. She looked into my eyes. She was angry. I honestly believed that she was going to hit me. Stop it! You're not fooling anyone, Timothy. I know you care. You may pretend, but you feel pain. You can push your emotions aside, but I know that isn't true. I know what lies beneath. What if it was your mother and... or your father in the hospital like that? Would you still speak the same? What I am saying is what I believe. If my mother or father was in the same condition, I would have said goodbye long ago and remembered them as they lived, not how they died. She turned away from me again, this time bending over. She rested her hands on her thighs. I just stood there, waiting for her to say something, to give me an opening. It felt like forever. And I just stood there, like a runner waiting for the sound of a gun, ready to take off. I know you, Timothy. You would not push someone away you care about so easily. Your words don't match your eyes, even when you try to have them lie to me. I remember the look when Jonathan said you betrayed him. You tried to act cold and detached. But it didn't last. It was the look moments later that I remembered. The sadness in your eyes of losing someone you loved. Not what I lost. What I gained in trade. Christine stopped crying. She turned back and looked at me. It was then that she realized what I had done. Where all that I said before was leading to. This was not about obligation, but the pain I went through and the regret I had with what I received. You believe you 
traded Jonathan for me? And you wish you hadn't? People believe that once you feel love, then everything can be worked out. If you can fall in and out of love, then it's possible to have flashes of love, or at least flashes of what you believed was love. I respected Christine and cared for her, but it was not long after that night at Walgreens that I truly wondered if I loved her. Jonathan was wrong, not I. You said it yourself. I did nothing wrong. I didn't take anything from him because he never had anything. Then what was this all about? I could have told her that like all people, my emotions were slowly taking control of me. My mind wanted to walk away from Christine months ago, but my heart was frightened to leave. I wanted to be alone, but I did not want to be lonely. I could have told her the truth. I could have shared with her how I truly felt. I'm sorry. I love you, Christine. It's just, it's just it hurts. I gave her just enough to pull her away from where I was not yet ready to go. She just stood there and stared at me. I believe she was contemplating, going over everything I had said and things I did not say. Then she hugged me. I could only assume she decided to wait it out. Perhaps she really did love me. Or perhaps, deep inside, she was just like me. Next time, Chapter 23.